Lucrative Super has been a proud partner of the PFA since 2009 and offers PFA members the opportunity for one-on-one consultation and advice on your super at no additional cost. With Lucrative Super, you're a part of an industry super fund that's been providing solid, long-term returns and excellent service for the past 40 years. We care about giving back to our community. Lucrative Super, working for a better future. It's a pleasure to have Terry McFlynn, former A-League double champion uh, with Sydney FC, um, an absolute stalwart of that club. Um, And we're going to talk to him about post-career and the transition out of football. Uh, Terry, firstly, thanks for jumping on, mate. No problem. Thanks for your time, Adrian. Um, Now, mate, you've had a a fairly smooth transition, um, if my research um, is going to do me any favours. So you... Obviously retired, I think, January 2014 uh, through injury. Um, But then you got straight into your full-time post-career career, career, which is still in football. Um, And you're involved with uh, Perth Glory, obviously. Um, I think you went into the W League and then you're the the academy manager and now you've gone into football operations. Um, Can you just take a step back and talk to us about, I guess, the time when you decided to hang up the boots and... um, did you feel like you were prepared for life on the other side um, once you'd made that decision? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a realist in everything I do, Adrian. Um, and I knew at some point the privileged life that I was leading at that time, being a professional footballer, was would come to an end. Um, so when I was 20, 20 years, I think it was, I started um, preparing myself for post-playing. Um, I went to university, uh, did a master's degree, master's in coach education, um, and my plan was always um, to go into coaching. Um, I have a real passion for the game and a passion for for football, for coaching and for helping people. Um, but through the, my studies, um, I got fascinated in not just the hard skills of coaching football, but actually coaching people and what, how to get the best out of people and, and what gets people up in the morning. Um, my thesis was developing a high-performance environment through the organisational culture. Um, so I got really... Um, passionate about culture and how culture drives organizations and, and high performance. Um, and that was at a time when I was coming towards the end and we had a lot of good young players at the club that was coming through. And I, I remembered back to when I was a young player and having older players standing in your way and, and, and sort of blocking your pathway into the team. I never wanted to be one of them uh, players. So I had 20 years as a professional footballer. It was my time to step away and um, like I say, we had some really good young players. Terry Antonis was one of them at the time, was in the youth team. Um, so I stepped aside to to let the younger boys have their their turn. Um, I was ready for um, post-playing. Uh, the club was very good and very proactive in, in helping me in my transition and retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of help with the PFA as well. Um, my first role as a general manager of player welfare. So um, that role was basically... Um, making sure everything off the field was in place for the players um, so they could perform on the field. Um, so basically it's new players induction into the club, um, finding houses for players when they arrived, schools for the kids, jobs for the wives, mm. interpreters for the foreign players if they needed, um, and basically any any sort of distractions that might um, be caused, um, which would cause any interruption in the players' performance. I was sort of there as a buffer in between to try and smooth out any of those kinks that the, the players had. I'll pick you up on the point culture. It's very important. It's something that, um, especially in the last, say, 10 to 15 years, it's become a, let's say, a bit of a buzzword for, for football fans. Um, you hear about a lot of different 
football clubs and organisations globally, locally. I know you're at Sydney FC at a time where you enjoyed great success and then obviously the club's kicked on even more and become even more of a powerhouse in the competition at the moment and the word culture always gets brought up. What is culture to you? Like a lot of people view it differently. I know you're speaking about the balance off the field there and just how vital that might be to the players um, to ensure that they get themselves get the best out of themselves on the field. Um, but what does culture inherently mean to you through your studies and your experience? I think for me, Adrian, culture is a, it's a group of people with a common purpose and a common belief, a common set of behaviours, um, all trying to achieve the same thing. And I think once you, once you get that, there's a level of accountability and a, a level of responsibility within the group. Um, and if anyone's behaviours um, are outside of what's acceptable uh, culturally and organically, it's, uh, it sorts itself out. And it's not easy, um, you know, at, at Sydney FC at, at the time when there was a cultural shift, um, there was uh, obviously people react to change different and change takes time. Um, so we didn't get it straight away. Uh, we didn't get success overnight. Um, the first year post my retirement, we got to the grand final. We lost the second year um, while we were still building that cultural piece and, and tweaking it. Um, we didn't make the finals. Um, so again, you know, it's, it's easy in hindsight to look back now and say culturally it's a very strong organisation, which it is. But it took them time to, to get it to the point where it is now. And um, we're going through the same um, shift now in Perth. Um, the boys have really bought into what the new manager, Richie Garcia, wants to do and what we're trying to bring to the club off the field. Um, the administration, the players, the high-performance staff. Um, we've got a real belief in that if you're happy at work, you'll perform better. Um, and again, we're, we're trying to set an environment where the players, the staff, the individuals, the younger players can flourish um, and really progress their careers to the next level. Just touching on the younger players, um, I'm only assuming that you've had an influence on some of the youngsters coming through. Um, it can be quite daunting for a player coming into a high-pressure professional environment. Um, no doubt a lot of these kids that are coming through have the talent and the ability, but just how important is it for you and some of the other coaches and the senior players just to ensure that they feel comfortable in that environment? What are some of the things that you perhaps do a little bit differently with those younger players to, I guess, integrate them into the, the setup and the system as seamlessly as you can? Well, I think with younger players coming through, Adrian, the, the biggest thing we have to do is create a, an environment of safety, um, and an environment where they're not scared to make mistakes. And the realism and the, the reality of younger players integrating into, like you say, a first-team environment, uh, a high-pressure environment, is with kids you get inconsistency because they've never played at that level before. They've never played at that speed, that intensity, and that tempo. So for us, it's about having realistic expectations on what the kids can and can't do from an early stage and then nurturing them through that, helping them through training, a lot of education, um, to be honest, a lot of video sessions, uh, tactical sessions. And we're very fortunate. We've got a really, really strong uh, medical team here at Perth Glory. So for us, the physical side of it is making sure the kids are actually physically prepared um, to run out games, but also to physically strong enough to protect themselves um, in the games. Um, so for me, one of the biggest things is just education. So educating the kids on what the game is, positions both uh, with and without the ball, um, and then just giving them confidence 
to go and play um, and real understanding that they will make mistakes um, and then how to address the mistakes. Uh, I think if you if you're too hard on on kids too early, you lose them. Um, and we've got a lot of a really good group of senior players here who who have the realization that they were once younger players as well. Um, and as a younger player, you want um, not only support from your coaches, but you also want support and guidance from your peers. Um, and I think we're very fortunate here that we've got that with the senior players where um, they're helping these younger players day by day on and off the park. I've spoken to a lot of current footballers who are studying at the moment and very big on having something outside of football so that when they finish their football career, um, they can try and transition out the game as, as smoothly as possible. You're someone that's actually been through it. You were studying during your playing days and doing quite a bit off the field to set yourself up. Um, so proof's in the pudding for you. You've come out. You seem like you're really settled, really comfortable in the role that you've got at the moment. Um, from personal experience, just how vital do you think it is for some of these Perth players or these youngsters to ensure that they're studying or they're trying to set something up outside of football? There's been a lot of horrible stories of players that haven't really done that. Um, we see them from time to time where they come out, they kind of lose their identity and their purpose and unfortunately go through mental health battles. So can you just speak to that and your experience having actually gone through that entire process? Yeah, look, I think it's it's very, very important, Adrian. Um, uh, and it's twofold. One is obviously it, it helps you when you finish playing that you've got a career and you've got an education, you've got some something to to work towards for the rest of your life. Um, the realisation that you probably finish early to mid-30s, you still have another 30-odd years in the workforce. Um, so having a realisation and a, a, an understanding that this privilege that we have at the minute as footballers is going to end. Um, and setting yourself up for the next 30 to 35 years of your life in a, in a career where you're going to be happy and something that interests you is what you should study. Um, the other side of it is that I actually felt my football improved while I was uh, studying because I had a different focus. It wasn't 24-7 football. Um, I was quite an intense player or character when I was playing. Mm. Um, and if I had a bad training session or uh, wasn't my day, at the office, I'll take that home with me and I'd stew on it and I'd sit on it all night and carry it into the next day. Whereas when I started studying, I had other, um, like you say, other focus, other um, things to shift my attention towards. Um, so I'd come home from the training grind, lock myself away in my uh, office at home um, and get stuck into some study. And um, it really took my mind away from the training sessions, from the pressures of being a professional footballer um, and actually, it, in many ways, it freed up my thinking. Um, so I find it a real escape from that, like you said before, that high intense and that high pressure environment. So study gave me a real focus. Um, and it was actually at the time when my first uh, child was born as well. So we had a really busy household. And um, my wife was very understanding with uh, the situation that uh, was in front of us. Um, but yeah, look, I think here at Perth, we're very fortunate. We've got Robbie Gasper, who's a... Uh, PDM through the PFA. Um, Robbie's a very well-educated man as well, former footballer as well. So he's a big advocate of, of education for the players. Um, and yeah, we're, we're very fortunate. We, we drive that with the, the players that they do need to be studying something. It's not just the younger players, mm. the older players as well. Um, you know, there's a few of them do business diplomas and Cert 3 and Cert 4 and fitness and, and just things that um, can set them up for when they finish playing.
Now, I don't want to make you feel too old, and I know that you absolutely love Australia and you've put that on the record a few times, but you've been here for, what, 15, 16 years now, Terry. Yeah. Um, where are we at in terms of the game? Like I've spoken about this before on a former podcast that we used to do that unfortunately I don't feel like we capitalised on the hype and the momentum in 2007, 2008. There was a real buzz around the game after the World Cup. Um, probably missed an opportunity to progress things around the second division at that point. Maybe it was a little bit too early in hindsight, who knows. But there are so many different factors or facets rather that people speak about. They speak about the salary cap quite a lot. It's good to see that the shackles have been released a little bit with independence for some of these clubs. But where are we at as a league? Like are we are we getting closer to where we want to be? Can you see, you know, that there's some light at the end of the tunnel in say five to ten years and and we might be able to you know speak about football in glowing terms again because we have gone through a little bit of a bit of a dip there's no doubt about it so what do you think uh australian football has in store in the next you know three to four to five years and how critical is it to get these decisions right um for this administration yeah look i think it's it's very critical uh to be honest Adrian. i think we're we're at a point now and it's hard to judge because obviously the unbundling is, is, is just taking place and everyone needs time to um, see what the future looks like um, and, and create the future really, to be honest. Um, I think you're right in, in saying that, you know, when the A-League started in 2005, six, and then we had the World Cup and there was a real buzz and a hype around it and the Socceroos continued success through that period of time with uh, various World Cups and winning the Asian Cup footballs on a real high and, I think domestically now um, there's a new generation coming through. So that, like you say, ten or fifteen years of fifteen years, sorry, of, of A League football, we're now seeing a new generation of, of players coming through. Um, I think that's what's exciting for the fans is that they're getting to see new players, they're getting to see new faces, um, and the clubs need to capitalise that and develop new heroes um, and who these players are and, and where they've come from and what what they've got in store and. Um, I think off the off the field, there's still a, a few challenges. Um, obviously, a very topical subject at the minute is the broadcast. Um, mm. I, I think that'll that'll probably give us more of an indication where we sit because obviously finances is what drives the game globally, not just in in Australia but across the world. And, and one of the major revenue streams in supporting clubs uh, cost base is, is television deals and, and broadcast deals and. Um, Obviously, the the unbundling has allowed clubs now to market themselves, um, sponsorships, various revenue streams that was somewhat closed off um, in the past has now been opened up. So there is a lot of hard work to be done, um, a lot of work off the field by each individual club. Um, but the great thing for me that I see weekly as we go around the, the stadiums and go around the clubs is there's an unwavering passion for the game mm. in this country. And there's a lot of people... A lot of goodwill, a lot of passion that, that want the game to succeed and will we'll make it succeed. So um, it will take time, but I think definitely we'll, we'll get there as a, as a code. Yeah, definitely. And I think the quality of football so far has been really impressive. I've enjoyed just sitting back and watching uh, a few of the games in the early stages of the season. Mate, I'm going to let you go. I know you're a very, very busy man indeed. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. It's really refreshing to see the transition that you've made out of football. So hopefully it's a little bit of inspiration some of those current footballers as well and all the best with Perth glory. Um, And yeah, it's a thrilling season. So it's going to be interesting to see the way it plays out. Thank you very much for your time, Adrian.